Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning. It is fall, and I'm wearing fall colors. It is Thursday, October 8th. So it's supposed to be a new beginning. And I can begin to tell you what a new beginning we have had since last night. I mean, this is some crazy stuff over here. Um, the, the fact that... Uh, we had a debate last night, the vice presidential debate. Who watched that? Like, tell me who watched that stuff last night. <laughs> it was hilarious. Don't you think the fly won? <laughs> the fly won the debate. The fly won the debate last night. Hey, everybody, this is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> it's Thursday, October 8th, and it follows on the day after the vice presidential debate that was just out of this world. The Internet remains undefeated. I mean, if you were watching the debate last night and you were not on Twitter at the same time, you missed the entire debate show. It was not just a spectacle. It was hilarious and entertaining all at the same time. I mean, who needed Netflix or Comedy Central or The Late Show or any of those shows forever? I mean, I was I was just thinking back and then during the course of the debate while the discourse, the political discourse was going on, a fly landed on Vice President Mike Pence's head. Oh my Lord, and the fly sat there. It didn't just, it sat there like it sat there. And the internet went crazy. It was just so unbelievable. And I can't begin to tell you that personally. I laughed. I haven't laughed that much for so long that it was refreshing to remember that I could actually find my vocal cords to laugh, everybody. It was just so crazy. So thank you so much for tuning in <laughs> and joining us. And today we have something else to talk about and to laugh about. Uh, and it is that uh, we talked recently about Rachel Dolezal, part two, where Rachel Dolezal is a white woman who pretended to be a black woman for many years and in fact became president of the local chapter of the NWACP chapter in, in, in Washington state. Well, uh, following up on her, a couple of other people seem to like the idea of pretending and posing to be black. So we did a story a couple of weeks ago on uh, Jessica Krug, who is a professor at uh, George Washington University and who too pretended to be black when in fact she's white. Well, of all the things that could have happened last night, just before the debate started, I was on Twitter and came across this story about a white male professor in New Hampshire, of all places, who uh, pretended to be a black woman on Twitter. So he created a profile on Twitter and pretended to be a black uh, professor, a black female professor, called himself a woman of color and was on Twitter while at the same time in his skin, he's a white male professor. <laughs> <laughs> the hits just keep coming. I'm sorry. 
I can't contain it. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'm, I'm going to stop laughing. But this is YouTube and this is my channel. So I don't have to listen to, uh, you know, people telling me that I can't laugh out loud. But this was hilarious. This was totally, totally, totally hilarious. So I'm going to stop laughing. Uh, so this man uh, is tweeting that he is, uh, I kid you not, I kid you not. He's tweeting that he's a, a woman of color and an immigrant woman of color, and they're dirt poor, so he sleeps on the floor. Because, naturally, the only way you can be a, an immigrant and a woman of color at the same time is that you must be dirt poor. There are no other spaces where you can inhabit you know, you can't be middle class, you can't be educated, you can't be upper middle class, you just will be dirt poor sleeping on the floor. And he he tweeted that he has, uh, in, he just convinced his sociology department to, to remove woke language from, uh, from their policy. You know, the president has been on that where he said uh, racism sensitivity training should not be uh, further encouraged are uh, operated or are promoted by the federal government because there's no systemic racism, right? You remember the president said that. Uh, he's going to pay for that one, I swear. <laughs> the, the people are not going to forget. No, they're not going to forget that one. And uh, because by extension, if you are saying systemic racism doesn't exist, you're also saying systemic sexism doesn't exist. So there shouldn't be sexual harassment training or there shouldn't be training about one's awareness of people's gender. So you've got to be careful with those things, you know. And so uh, so this professor says he removed such woke language from his, he, he convinced his department to remove such woke language. So he's on Twitter pretending to be a woman of color and uh, a woman of color who is LGBTQ. I'm dying with laughter. Stop it. I kid you not, the things that people come up with. And it makes you wonder, what is it about blackness and being a person of color that makes people want to appropriate that color? They're not the first one. They're not the only one. I found some other cases. There are at least four or five other cases of people. In fact, the woman who, is head, who headed up the Black Lives Matter movement in Indiana, she's white, but she had pretended to be black. Yeah, until she was bought out and they found her birth certificate, which her parents list as white and list her as being white. And it's like, what is going on? So the real question is, what on earth is going on with this black fishing, the appropriating of black culture, and, and for white people to take it on and inhabit spaces that black people should operate in, but taking it on and, and as if they are black, while being able to promote, and it's all for self-promotion, you know, it's all for them to gain attention, because that's really what this guy was doing. He was a professor, was, because he's now on leave, so I hope they eventually relieve him of his duties, because he made fun of, of people of color and, and our plight, and especially women, right? And uh, he is using it to promote himself, because it turns out his brother actually owns a brewery. So how they caught him was he tweeted a picture of his brother to his 13,000 followers under the guise of being a, a woman of color. And the same tweet appeared on his personal page. And so people started putting it together and began to realize that the language is similar 
and the bio sounds similar. So they, they, they put it together. And whilst the university is investigating it, it is ongoing and continuing. So do you all see what I'm saying? Do you see the, what, what I'm saying here? What I'm saying is that we've got to be really, 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 really be on our guard because in the virtual world, uh, on uh, on social media, you this is why I like to follow verified accounts. Yeah, because at least you know that somebody has done the background and done the background check to make sure that people are who they say they are. This is why some of us, like myself, who are content creators, are very careful about what we put forward because it represents not just our brand, but it represents the person. So I'm very careful about what I tweet, what I retweet, what I say, because it's a direct reflection of me and my thoughts and my thinking and my position on the issues. But when you look at it, uh, when it comes, to, I'm not going to laugh. I'm trying real hard not to laugh. But when you look at a, a white person wanting to be black, it, it doubles the mind because why would you want to do that? To me, if you're white, you obviously have advantages that are not given to the rest of us who are born in the skin that we are born in. And if you don't believe me, all you need to do is look at the debate last night. In the debate last night, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, who is a sitting U.S. senator, was ram bulldozed by a white man who is the vice president who cared not about her gender, didn't even care about her personhood that she's a woman. He didn't care about any of that. All he cared about was he talked over her. He talked over the moderator and just kept talking and talking and talking. He didn't answer the questions. Okay, so he doesn't have to answer the questions directly. That's a political ploy. But he kept talking over her even when it wasn't his turn to. And when she told him to stop, when the moderator told him to stop, that it was someone else's turn, he just kept talking and talking and talking. His tone and his manner to Kamala Harris was patronizing. You know how that is. All of us as women have endured that. And you have somebody like Megan Kelly saying, take it like a woman, don't make faces. And I'm looking at her like, is that what you do when your husband is being patronizing to you? Do you take it like a woman, Megan? Do you just, how, do, how does that look? Depends on what you're working with, because I don't know about you. Because some of the stuff we women have to work with, I don't know if you can take it like a woman. But, but, but this is an echoing theme where people who are privileged, the privilege of walking around every day in your skin, knowing that all the social, cultural, political, and economic advantages of walking around in your skin are available to you. And when you choose to, you can switch it off and put on a whole different persona that has nothing to do with who you are born to be. I'm sorry, my skin is a little dry. Right? I'm like that baby you saw on Twitter yesterday who has a whole jar of Vaseline near them and who is just simply using a whole jar of Vaseline. By the way, Vaseline, I've been using it for more than 20 years on my skin. I kid you not. Vaseline petroleum jelly, I use it at night under my eyes and around my eyes and my last lines. I've been using it for 20 years, hence the reason why my face looks like I have fillers in, but I actually don't have fillers. <laughs> Right, Vaseline every night. Just put it on, and it takes care of it. Just disappears into your skin when you wake up in the morning. There's no residue on your pillow. I guarantee it. It's, it. It just doesn't do that, right? But can you just imagine? Can you just imagine the privilege of being able to walk around, right, in your skin, and to be able to say, well, you know, I am, 
I am I am white, so I can pretend to be black if I want to, and then when I'm ready, I just switch back over. And I know some of you are probably saying, well, Harriet, what's wrong with that? What isn't wrong with that? The cultural appropriation, number one. And number two, the disingenuousness of it. Seriously? You, so you're going to pretend to have a lived experience that is not common to your survivability. Being white is your survivability. That means you will survive healthcare. You will survive all the systemic racism uh, and issues that are associated with being a person of color. Just because you're white, you will survive it. But you choose at the same time to just, <laughs> I'm sorry, it, it, was, it was totally hilarious. The gentleman's name is Craig Chapman. I kid you not. And uh, they, they, there are like uh, several cases of this. There's, there's another one, uh, Black Lives Matter activist, uh, uh, you know, who uh, suddenly just decided she's going to come out and say she was found out. So when you look at these kinds of scenarios, you have to ask yourself, what is it about the black experience that makes people <laughs> want to be black? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And the man looks like, he looks like a regular white guy, right? He's pulsed. It, it, it's just something that seems to be happening a lot. His name is Craig Chapman, and this is his, um, his name. He tweets under the name at piney underscore the. And he rails against the left, transgender, and even people of color. <laughs> he calls himself the science femme <laughs> who purported to be a professor. And this is what he said. He said, I was successful in killing my department's woke statement on recent social unrest. He called it a toxic ideology that cannot be given an inch. Can you believe that? He said he boasted that he removed all woke terminology from this statement, including anti-racism, white supremacy, white privilege, and claims of systemic racism. And so people said, you know what? And, and then he would tweet things like, you know, I'm a woman of color, and, and so on. He claimed to be an immigrant woman of color who grew up in poverty, sleeping on a dirt floor. And he also targeted real women working in science. Now, he teaches chemistry at University of New Hampshire. And uh, that, that's, an, that, that's impressionable, isn't it? That's a sad commentary. He teaches chemistry. So he's already white. Then he's white male. And he is a professor who teaches chemistry. Tenured professorship, something that is often denied to people of color, especially black women. Tenured professorships are often reserved and retained for white professors of both genders and often not given space. Black women and black men are often not given space as professors in, 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 in academia. And yet this man, this white man, who already has the natural advantage of being white and being white male, chose, chose to pose as a woman of color on Twitter just so he can take advantage and make fun of the experience of being black in America and being a black woman. You know, it couldn't have come at a more fortuitous time because why? Because Kamala Harris was on stage last night with a white man. 
And I couldn't help but find the juxtaposition of this, that here she is, an accomplished woman. She was, uh, she was a lawyer. She's a lawyer. She was a state's attorney, a district attorney, an attorney general for the, one of the largest states in the nation, a U.S. senator. And yet she's being treated and bullied and bulldozed by a white man who, because of his whiteness and the hubris of being white, ended up being vice president of the United States. When you look at Pence's uh, profile, he hasn't really achieved anything. He's kind of one of those guys. You ever been to camp and you've seen these Boy Scouts who are leaders? They kind of just get there because there's nothing special about them, but they're white, so they just kind of get there. That's Pence. But he's sitting to someone who has been stretched and tried by the adversity of being a woman of color and being a descendant of immigrant parents. And having to walk and navigate through those spaces, everywhere she has turned out, she has had to realize that she's walking in the skin of a person of color and that that's often derided against in our society. And yet she has overcome that and accomplished that. And yet she's being bulldozed on stage. And you have other women who I think are envious because they can't hold a candle to her and they can't walk in her shoes. They can't, uh, they never accomplished what she accomplished. They could not walk in her shoes. They don't have the intelligence to command a stage and to have people who are world leaders respect you enough to, to dare negotiate and debate with you. Not just to be an interviewer because you're given a set of talking points. Let's just be clear. Being an interviewer, though heavily loved, by some people as if that is an, a, a great accomplishment. Let me just tell you how it works. They give you a set of questions prior to, and those questions are agreed upon by both sides. So you have strict parameters within which, and certainly people who the more uh, well-known the person is, is the more the questions are even set upon. So it's not some random thing like, I'm going to interview and just ask you what you want. No. If when I have guests on my show, I tell them what I want to talk about. I agree upon it. They're my guests. So I want them to, fix, to you know, to show them in the best light. <clears throat> so you look at others. So other women are looking at Kamala, and they're just flat out envious that they get to ride, that she gets to ride around with security detail. They may have to pay for security detail in their fields that they're doing. If they want to appear and show up looking important. The next thing you know, she's going to be vice president, which means she rides on Air Force Two. She's going to live in the Naval Observatory. That's where she's going to be. She's going to get the role of being second in command of the United States. That's powerful. So a lot of other women are looking on and they're like, as usual, the racism jumped out. If that were to be given, what they really are saying is I'm jealous that she has so many accomplishments that she could do it. That's one. And number two, they're just jealous that it, it should be given to a white woman. Which one of you chicks out there could really hold it down and debate like that? Which one of you? You've got to understand that the tide has changed. And whether you like it or I like it, the times that we live in determine what is choose from us. We live in a day and time when enough is enough that too, much, too many people of color have been derided against and stomped upon and locked up in cages and beaten and shot in their homes and have had their knee, their necks knelt on, 
have been robbed of their ability to defend themselves in criminal justice systems in the poorest states in the nation. The times have changed. The times are screaming out, let my people go. It's letting the people go so people can ascribe and ascend to positions such as what Senator Harris has ascended to. She didn't get there because she was just sitting there one day and, oh, just because I'm white, I'm just going to get there. No, she worked her way out for that. She didn't get there because they looked around the room and they're like, oh, there's another white girl, bring her up here. No, she got there because she had to work for it. She had to put up with a lot of stuff. Don't think that when you look at her smiling last night that she wasn't aware of the stakes, how high the stakes were. And yet you have this white male. Now imagine having had to live in the skin that Kamala Harris has lived in. And you have a white male who has the privilege of switching his skin off and literally taking on a whole persona of a lived experience that he has no equanimity with. He cannot ever compute what that feels like. Well, that is exactly what is happening here. And when you ask us, well, why do we get offended? This is why. Because you choose to switch it on if you want to, because really you don't want the true experience of being black. You couldn't handle discrimination in housing. You couldn't handle discrimination in education. You couldn't handle discrimination in, in healthcare. You could not handle discrimination in the criminal justice system. How would you like it to look across the country right now and realize that the businesses that are mostly closing are mostly black businesses? And that a lot of these are mom and pop shops, a lot of these are restaurants and so on. I, I feel for my some of some people who operate, you know, our favorite eateries, you know, that's where you would just go in because you just like the atmosphere that they create in there. You stop at the neighborhood juice bar because you just like the folks in there and you like how their juice tastes. All of those businesses are going out. And you realize those are the issues that are in front of us, that the care that the president received at Walter Reed Hospital is not available to the general public, that many people with coronavirus go into hospitals and don't make it out because they don't have access to that kind of medicine because their insurance won't cover a medicine that is still under development at $3,500 per vial. $3,500, a vial is like maybe less than two ounces. That is what is at stake. So what? this is why, you know, when we used to talk about, we used to say, well, all these people get say they're positive with the coronavirus, but then they survive and overcome. That's because they were getting this experimental drug. Now, because it's experimental, the real truth is you really don't know uh, what the full-time side effects will be, but in the moment your antibodies kick in and it, your body develops an antibody to overcome the virus and starts working along with that, that's what they're hoping for in the case of the president. The problem is the president is 74. I do have had some experience with this because the same thing happened with mom. So I know uh, I've been told how these things worked and uh, it didn't work to her benefit at all. But you look at this and you have to say, you, you, you find yourself saying to yourself, ah, oh, can we just stop the madness for a little bit? Can we focus on the real issues of making sure Breonna Taylor's killers actually get the justice that they deserve, which is to pay some time for that? Can we at least uh, have some uh, modifications done? So the criminal justice system where you don't just go on a no-knock warrant and knock on people and just walk in, you know, because, and just start shooting people up. 
How about not pulling people over by the color of their skin? There are plenty of white people who drive around with their tags out of mess, who didn't pay their insurance, who have DUIs, who do things they shouldn't be, probably have a couple of uh, human trafficking victims locked up in their trunk, certainly are headed to a basement party where there is more of that. And no, nothing ever gets done about those things, the inequities in the system. You pull over people and you find them with an ounce of weed because it's recreational, and all of a sudden they're a drug dealer because they just shared it with someone else. The, 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 the pen, penalization of some of these crimes is unheard of. But you pull over a white kid who has 20 grams of weed that he's about to really distribute to his friends at a party and make some money on it, but he doesn't do time. You say, oh, son, just go home and, and, and just chill for a bit. You know, don't, don't say anything. We won't write up a report or anything. But a black kid does not get the same treatment. He's actually given time and called a drug dealer and his life is forever ruined. Those are the inequities. So Mr. Chapman, who likes to uh, sit back, yeah, and pretend that he's black and pretend (laughs) that he's a black woman of color. You can't begin to associate yourself with the experiences we have had. You can't begin to associate yourself with how it feels to walk around in the skin of a black woman who is often overlooked and who is often bullied and who is left behind in every kind of policy making that should benefit us. There are more black women in the country than anybody else. There are black women are what, 13% of the female population, less than 15% of the female population. And yet, And yet, 13% of the population, and yet, and yet, we end up getting nothing. We end up just as bulldozed, just as ignored. Black women are often more educated than their white counterparts. It's not unusual to come across a black woman who has multiple degrees, but yet with all her multiple degrees, she can't retire comfortably. She doesn't earn enough to take care of herself. Why are you, like my daughter pointed out this morning, she graduated law school. Her white counterparts received offers for sixty and eighty thousand dollars with five thousand signing bonuses. Meanwhile, she couldn't get a job. They didn't. Be, they hadn't become a lawyer yet because they hadn't set the bar yet. But just by graduating law school, they were getting offers for sixty-five thousand a year with five thousand signing bonus. She didn't get one. And when she asked around to all the the four other black people in her. Uh, law school graduating class, they also did not receive offers that were comparable to what their white counterparts received. That is systemic racism right there. That is systemic racism. So to anybody else out there who wants to be the next Rachel Dolezal and to the person who wants to be the next Jessica Krug and definitely to the white males out there who want to pretend to be a black woman, can I just ask you this question? Would you live the experience of being black? Would you want that lived experience? Would you want to be the one who is pulled over just for the color of your skin? And just because you show up, they assume that you're on welfare and that you have four kids behind you with baby daddy issues. Would you want to be the person who is denied for every educational opportunity that you apply for? Would you want to be the person who can't receive funding? Would you want to be the person who, when qualified, when graduated, and now have the requisite qualifications, 
you find out that your white counterparts are making more money than you. Would you want to be that person? Seriously? That's what being black is like in America. So while it is fun for you to look at the black aristocracy evidenced by people like Oprah and so on, they're not, they're part of the white, the problem of white supremacy. They, they, they hold it up. They continue to perpetuate by simply not engaging in movements that will fix uh, the inequities in the system. They continue to be a part of it. So, so which part of being black is it that you want? Well, what's the part of it? The part where uh, white people trot you out and say, well, look at Oprah. We're not racist because Oprah is a billionaire. She's part of our billionaire class. There she is. Do you want the part where Jay-Z comes out and they're like, well, Jay-Z is part of the exclusive Legionnaires Club now because he's made over $144 million, so we helped him to get rich. But Jay-Z doesn't talk about the issues. Oprah doesn't talk about the issues. Why? She's part of the, you know, she's part of that club. So which part of being black do you think it is? Because for us, from our perspective, when you choose to walk around in blackface, when you choose to walk around and pretend about an experience you don't have any synchronicity with, what it is, is you're making fun of us. My name is Harriet Kamek. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. I encourage you to continue to listen to our podcast on Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. I'm on so many other platforms, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Of course, go to my page on Amazon and buy my books, Through the Fire, which is available and which has been available. Thank you so much for your support on this our broadcast. Be blessed, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.